hope you had a great week. The fall is trying to come, but it still feels like summer, so a bummer for that. But I want you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and go to the book of Mark. Everybody go to the book of Mark. And I want to get into something this morning that I feel like is so good, and hopefully everybody who's watching online, this will be relevant to your life. Because uh, I was really praying about this morning and felt like the Lord wanted us to lean into something that is so true for even what's going on in our world today. Uh, how to have stability in unstable conditions. How to have stability in the middle of unstable conditions. I don't know about you, but I watch the news, and I've been seeing what's going on in the world, but then things that are going on in our own lives sometimes can feel very unstable. Conditions are always changing. Even if it's not bad stuff, it's just change. There's just change everywhere. In fact, I've heard from multiple people over the last weeks, can we just not have change for a while? Can things just be normal? Can we just have a normal schedule? Can we have normal news? Can we have normal family functions? Can we have normal church again? Can we have just a level of normality and I don't know about you, I just don't see it in the near future. So part of it is we have to learn how to have stability in unstable conditions. And I want to read this from Mark chapter 4. This won't come as a surprise to you if you've heard this uh, passage before. But I think God wants to speak to us something fresh out of it today. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to read from verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. On the same day when evening had come... He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat. And so it was, it was already filling, filling with water. But when he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word, what it is that you want us to personally catch out of this, that this wouldn't be historical, just facts of something that happened a long time ago, but that this would be something that would be relevant to us today. In Jesus' name. I want you to look at verse 35 with me. Jesus said to this, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So Jesus gave these disciples an instruction and basically said, get in the boat, we're headed out. Okay. So everybody gets in the boat, they have multiple boats, they're headed across the sea, and in the middle of going to where Jesus said, let's go over there, all heck breaks loose. And they have a windstorm. Have you ever been on your way to somewhere and things changed on your way that you thought it was going to be? Yeah. In fact, uh, I was driving home from D.C. a couple days ago. And when I left, it said that we were gonna, it was going to take about an hour and 15 minutes. But it was about 4 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> uh, conditions changed along the way. Up to 70, cross 70, conditions changed. And not only did the traffic get worse, but the weather changed too. It was raining and stormy. And instead of taking an hour 15, it took about two hours. It just sitting along the traffic along the way. Well, conditions changed. I, I, I have experienced this so many times, not just in practical situations like that, but just life. Things changed from what I thought they were going to be. And conditions were a lot less... Um, uh, fixed than I thought they were going to be. And so Jesus said, let's cross to the other side. And at least in my own life, there have been so many times where I really was following God's call. He was speaking to me. I was doing what he asked me to do. And yet stuff happened. It just happens. In fact, I've seen bumper stickers that say that. It says stuff happens. Maybe it doesn't say stuff, but you, know, you get the point. Things happen. And so Jesus has given us instruction. He's saying, let's cross the other side. And it says, after that, they got on the boats and a great windstorm arose. And so I just want to bring a little level of comfort to anybody who feels like you're in the middle of a storm. 
doesn't mean that you miss it. It doesn't mean that you miss it. In fact, let me catch eyes with everybody. It doesn't mean that you miss it. Because a lot of times we'll step out in faith of something that God's told us to do. And in fact, we'll start to obey God in something. And then we meet resistance and we meet wind and we meet waves of life. And things start to feel like it's worse than before we obey. And sometimes there's a little voice inside of you that could say, you missed it. You're not hearing God. You shouldn't have done it. You you, you're not hearing the right. And all of this doubt starts to come. And you start to freak, right? Well, just because winds and waves come doesn't mean that you missed it. In fact, we're going to get into a lot of that today. As far as how do you stay stable in unstable conditions. But I want to keep reading. It says, a great windstorm arose, verse 37. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep. On a pillow. Now, this is Mark. In fact, uh, maybe you've never heard this, but the fact that the, the title of this book is Mark means that Mark actually wrote it, and this is his account. This is what he recalls. And the Bible says that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit as he wrote this account. So he's writing and he's telling us Jesus was in the middle of the boat, asleep on a stinking pillow. No, I, I said stinking. But that this kind of inferred. He's like, he's asleep on the pillow. Now, the windstorms arose. There's water filling up. And Jesus is out. Cold. Non-responsive. And now this is, I mean, to us this is comical. To them, this is like, they're freaking They're scared out of their mind. There's a windstorm. Waves are beating into it. There's water coming in. And Jesus is like, asleep. Now, again, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I will just tell you from my own experience, okay? There have been so many times where I felt like Jesus was asleep. Hello? Where Jesus, it felt like, am I the only one who sees that there is water coming into this boat? Or am I the only one who's feeling the wind and the wave? Am I the only one? Jesus, are you even awake? Are you even talking? Are you even in this situation? Are you even aware of what's happening? Am I the only one who's ever felt like, Lord, are you here? Are you in this? And I'm not giving uh, necessarily a license to whine and complain, but I'm just reading what happened here. And Jesus was out cold. So we keep reading. And it says basically that they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are dying? Perishing. Like, we're going to die in this boat and you asleep. On the pillow, do you even care? Now, again, we throw shade at the disciples a lot, but I have heard a lot of believers talk to God like this. Do you even care? Are you even aware? But here's Jesus' response. I love this. First of all, he takes care of the situation. He rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But, everybody say, but. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? Now this is totally the opposite response that I would have thought of Jesus. You would have thought this compassionate, loving Jesus that we all talk about would have been like, Guys, I'm so sorry. I was just so tired that I was asleep and, you know, I didn't realize what was happening. And so, you know, I took care of her for you. I'm glad we're good now. No, no, he didn't do that. He didn't come for her. He didn't say, hey, come give me a hug. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He said, why are you so fearful? In other words, Jesus is teaching in this moment that he was aware of something that they weren't aware of. He was teaching them. Because to me, as a pastor, and probably many of you feel like this, sometimes I want to commiserate with people's emotions and what they're going through, and I want to relate, and you want to be compassionate, and yet Jesus is like, why are you so fearful? And then he asked him a real blunt question. How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? In other words, Jesus is like, 
The reason why I'm asleep on a pillow is because I knew we were good. I knew we were good. And he doesn't get into the details of like, no, our boat wasn't going to sink. And no, this is how it was all going to He just knew. I said, let's go to the other side. So that's where we were going. How is it that you have no faith? Now, this to me is so challenging because I'm like, Lord, I am definitely for sure where there have been moments in life where if I've been crying out to you like these disciples and he's looking back at me and like, okay, I'll take care of the situation, rebuke the wind away, I'm going to bring you peace, but then we're going to have a teachable moment after this where I'm going to ask you some questions of how is it that you are so fearful? Now, if I'm being honest with you, I have lived this multiple times. In fact, there, was, there have been times in this last year where I literally referenced this scripture, and I told a, a friend of mine, I said, I know I'm like those disciples right now. And I know for sure my faith is very wiggly at best, but I at least want to be honest about where I'm at so I can call on Jesus for help. And he will help me, and then he can teach me through where did I err that I was full of doubt? See, there's a humility that I think is okay, and I want to give you permission to have that says, you know what, Lord, I am struggling in my faith right now, and I'm struggling a bit with fear. So Jesus will help you with the conditions, but then he is going to teach you on the other side of it. And I think that's the humility, is to, to not get cocky or to get... Um, too prideful to where you can't be teachable afterwards. No, sometimes it's good to be all right now that there's peace. Now that I'm not freaking out that we're going to die. Lord, teach me about where did I get off in my faith. In fact, if I'm being honest, I feel like the church, capital C, has gone through this over the last year when you have this political upheaval and you've got this, uh, this health crisis and you've got economic crisis and you've got all of these things happening and you you saw how people would respond whether it's on their social media or in conversations or whether they're wherever they're at they're showing their freaking out they're screaming and crying and yet there is an available listen stability in the middle of instability there is a place in faith and with the Lord, where you don't have to freak out like everybody else. There is a place, I'm, I, I would contend, where you can figuratively be asleep on a pillow in the middle of cray cray. In the middle of crazy. You can be the person who's asleep on a pillow. Why? Because you're you are at peace. You're there. And it's going to be weird for people around you because they're going to be like, hello, don't you see what's happening? Aren't you freaked out? This could happen to you at work. Layoffs start happening. People start getting laid off. And everybody's freaking out. And they're all talking to you. And everybody's talking about who's it going to be and why are they doing this. And all this commotion's happening. And you're just keep doing your work as if nothing is happening. And people come up to you and go, aren't you scared? Aren't you freaking out? Why are you so good? Aren't, can't you see that this is like everyone's going to be affected? But yeah, I mean, I can see the, I can see what's happening, but I'm good, right? And then, then you can bring that peace to a situation that everyone around you sees. That's abnormal. That's weird, almost. There's stability. You're anchored. You're stable. You're fixed. In fact, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Just the book right before that, Matthew chapter 14. You'll remember this story of Peter. I love Peter because he sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. And I can totally relate. But I just love his boldness and his fervor, his zealousness. Matthew chapter 14, let's go to verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. And go before him to the other side while he, sent his, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
Now when evening had come, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, there's so many things I love about this passage. But again, I can relate to it. The stories are not there so we can just look at Peter. The story is there because we can relate to this. And we can see not only how we feel like this sometimes, but we can learn how to overcome even these kinds of situations. When you feel like you're out of the water and stuff starts to get wind and wave around you, how do you stay stable? See, a lot of times I've read this passage and think the point of it is so that we have the comfort of knowing that even when we start to sink, Jesus is there and he'll pull you out, which is truth, and there is truth in that in this passage. But that wasn't the truth Jesus was teaching at the end of this. At the end of this, Jesus was teaching, why did you doubt? That is what Jesus boiled this whole passage down to at the end. Is Peter, why did you doubt? See, preceding that, Peter asked him, Lord, if that's you, you tell me to come. So there was a there was a uh, an exchange that happened there where Peter's saying, if that's you, you tell me to come. And Peter had enough faith in that moment to fling his legs over the side of that boat, get on the water, and start walking. And every indication from Scripture and other accounts of this is he didn't walk just a couple steps. Jesus was far enough out there that they thought it was a ghost they couldn't recognize him. So it wasn't like he was just six feet from the boat. They weren't social distancing. Hello. They were like, he was far. It's a ghost. And he said, be of good cheer in his eye. He said, if that's you, tell me to come. So he flings his legs over the boat and he starts to walk in. Somewhere between him and Jesus where he was, Peter started to recognize, oh shoot, I'm walking on water and the waves are a bit crazy. This is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. See, in the moment of response, he was good. He had enough faith. A lot of Christians are like this on Sunday mornings. In the moment of hearing God, I'm good, I'll start moving. But somewhere around Wednesday, I start to feel the winds and waves. And by Friday, I'm wiped out. I'm done. And then by Saturday, I'm at least looking forward to Sunday. It's like, okay, I'm going to get back to church because it's been a rough week. No, 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 that's not supposed to be the cycle. We're supposed to be able to fling our legs over the boat, start to walk to Jesus, and keep our eyes on Him. Keep that level of faith. He told me to come. He will sustain me. I'm not sustaining myself out here on the water. He'll sustain me. He'll sustain me all the way through. That's faith. But we've gotten in this cycle sometimes. Maybe you're not you, but maybe, maybe it's just me. Where sometimes I get really good at the initial response. I'm really good at saying, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And I'm really good at coming those first few steps. And we get, we're, we're not professional responses. In fact, even in church today, we get really good at probing people. Come on, respond. Make that first response. But I, I feel like God's more challenging us about, yeah, but where, where are you about halfway out there on the water? How do you do with like three weeks from that response time? Are you still walking? Or are you drowning? Or are you crying out for help because you lost it? In fact, I think I referenced this in Wednesday Night Bible Study a couple weeks ago, but have you ever seen that movie Hook? That uh, with Robin Williams, it's an old movie from like the 90s or something like that. By the way, saying movies are from the 90s that are, that I'd say that's old, is trippy to me. But anyways, 
But old movie, right? Before they had ESD. <laughs> so I remember in this movie, Hook, uh, they're trying to teach Peter Pan, who was Robin Williams, uh, to like to get his basically his belief back that he can fly. And so they were telling him, of course, the famous line, think happy thoughts. So he would get this happy thought, and he's like, he's like floating up in the air, and he's like, I got it, I got it, I got it, and then all the go, sudden he goes, I lost it, and he like flies down, and he just flings to the ground. He just drops straight down because he lost his happy thought. And I'm like, that is this picture. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I lost it, <laughs> and then you start to drown. And so I feel like the Lord's challenging us and wanting to bring our faith level up so that when you respond to Jesus and you start moving on what he said, it sustains you until the moment you get to the destination. Like that you make it there. And yes, Jesus is 100% there if you lose it. Thank God. Because I would drown many times in life. I would have made it to my destination had Jesus not been available to pick me up from my faithlessness and from my doubting to help me get to where I need to go. But yet, in the middle of it, Jesus is still teaching me, how do I stay fixed? How do I stay single-minded in what he told me to do until the point that I reach that destination? See, I know for myself, I remember when I was 12 years old, I remember being called to ministry and I knew somewhere around 12 years old that I would move across the country to go to a college called Life Pacific College in San Diego, California. I knew that. So all throughout high school, you know, you have all the guidance counselors who are like, yeah, but you need to fill out multiple applications, and you need to do this, and you need to have that, and you need to have this. And I just knew where I was supposed to go the whole time. And that same word, one word, kind of like Peter, lasted me all the way through high school to the point of applying to life as a college. It lasted me all the way as I drove across the country on I-40, all the way through those boring states that had nothing to look at, and it sustained me all the way through until I got to San Diego, California. That same word lasted me all the way through five years of school. Should have been four, but it took me five. <laughs> five years of school and, and going through all the way to completing college. And there were multiple times during college where I asked God, God, can I be done? Because <laughs> I was already in the ministry. I was already seeing success in the ministry. I was already seeing fulfillment what I thought God wanted me to do. And, but it sustained me all the way through, all the way through. I mean, that's, you're talking about 11 years from one thing that happened to me when I was 12 years old. And no doubt there were times where Jesus helped me, pulled me up, helped me make sure that I wasn't trapping. But that's the power of if you hear God speak to you, it could last you literally for years on that one word. And you just hang on to it, and you hang on to it, and you hang on to it, and you hang on to it. See, to see God do explosive things in your life, you can't be weak. Now, I don't mean you can't struggle and that Jesus will help you. I'm just saying there's got to be a level of grit and tenacity. you got to be a little bit like Peter where it's like, I'm going to take a risk. I'm wrestling my, my legs. Now, Peter was one of many people who were in the boat. He was the only one who stepped out. So if I pace myself off of everyone else, I'm going to stay safe. I'm going to play it safe. If I pace myself off of all my friends, my peers, and I just wait to see what everyone else is doing, and I wait to see what popular opinion says, I will always play it safe. But sometimes I hear Jesus telling me to come on some crazy stuff. Some things I can't even tell people about because I sound too crazy. So I just do what Mary, the mother of Jesus, did, which is I'll just fire in my heart and I'll just hold it right there, safekeeping. But yet I'll start moving on it and I'll start behaving on it. I'll start acting on it. Why? Because I believe it. I believe it. So Jesus, after the end of this, Tells Peter and says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Everybody say doubt. Come on, you can say it with a little bit more prediction. Doubt. Yeah. Why did you doubt? Now, this idea of doubt is really interesting to me because um, depending on who you hear teaching to you, uh, doubt can sometimes can be celebrated. 
Like, it's good to wrestle through your doubts. It's good to, to, to have some of those um, places in your life where you're ambiguous and stuff like that. And I understand what people are saying. I understand. But when I hear Jesus addressing doubt, it's juxtaposed to what he said. Why did you doubt what I said? Why did you doubt what I said? See, there are so many things that we could philosophize about and we could theorize about. And there's so many things in the world that we can process and think through. But I will tell you an area in my own life where I won't compromise. That's on what God said to me. I'll talk it over with you. I'll try to explain it to you. I'll try to, you know, I, I don't mind people asking me questions about it, but I personally will not compromise what God has said in his word or what God has said to me. Why? Because that is my faith. That's my anchor. i got to hold on to that with everything I have. See, Peter didn't doubt about gravity. The fact that I shouldn't be able to walk on water. I should No, no, no. Where his doubt was is in what Jesus said to him, which was to come. And if he told me to come, he will sustain me to the point of getting to him. That's where he doubted. So Jesus was, it was very personal. It wasn't just some sort of uh, theology study. It was, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt? So let's just dig into this a couple minutes. In a number of languages, doubt is expressed by means of these kind of idioms. Listen to these. It means to have two thoughts. I would say that you could have two or more thoughts. Or to think only Perhaps. So in other words, having a conviction about a thing, you think, well, perhaps it'll happen. Maybe. I hope so. I wish it will happen. Anybody ever said those things, right? Like if someone says, hey, are you going to the, the park this Sunday? Oh, I hope so. That, that's, you don't have real conviction yet that, yes, we're going to the park this Sunday. Or, you know, are, are you, are you going to be able to take two weeks off this week? Uh, I hope so. No, you're not yet at the place of conviction. You're in the place of wishing. Like, I hope so. That's different. That's different than faith. Doubt is when you have that kind of idea or that attitude, perhaps. Or doubt can mean to believe only a little. Or to, questions one, to question one's heart about a thing. So I think that this, this interesting definition of doubt, and I didn't make it up. I actually got it from a, uh, a, a coordinates that kind of expounds on these words. But I think that doubt can also mean to think that something may not be true or certain. Doubt can to, to, to think that something may not be true or certain. And I want you to notice a couple of these definitions have to do with your thoughts. Your thoughts. Doubt happens right up here. Right between your ears. That's where doubt is. It comes in thoughts. It comes when you start to think two different ways about a thing that you used to think one way about. See, when Peter flung his feet over the side of the boat, he had one conviction. Jesus told me to come. I'm on my way. He was good. Until circumstances changed and things started to feel unstable. That's when he started to doubt. That's when he, he got tested in his level of faith. That's when he started to have more than one opinion about whether he's going to make it here. This is so good for us because you know what? And I include myself sometimes. I'm really good at faith when uh, conditions are stable. Where I get challenged is when everything around me starts to shift and to change and it affects my five senses. In other words, one of the things that affected Peter was his physical body was being affected by these winds and waves. There's no doubt that water was sloshing up against his, his ankles. We don't even know how big these waves were, but it says it was boisterous, so it must have been white caps to the level that he was getting wet and it's coming on him. It's affecting his senses. His, his, his physical senses are being affected. The, the, the wind going in his ears, his auditory. His auditory um, sensories are like going off the charts. And that's where he starts to get double-blinded. We're like that. 
we're like a, for us it could come in the form of finances. We invest in something and it goes down. We're like, Lord, I thought you told me to invest in that. But I mean, day one, day two, day three, it's not happening, it's not cracking, it's not happening, yet, it's not popping. And so we start to waffle. I don't know if I was supposed to do that. I, I wasn't, I don't, maybe we weren't supposed to. What are you? Now you've got two minds about it. Now you're going to a different place. And that's why it's so key. Don't move until God talks to you. Because we're not talking about being single-minded on your own opinion and on your own things. We're talking about being single-minded on what God says to you. So before you step out in business or before you step out in a ministry, before you step out like making a big purchase or a big job change or something, you better hear the voice of God. Because I'm telling you right now, winds and waves will beat up against you. 100% they're going to. And it's going to test you in your faith. And if you really want to make it into what God told you, you're going to have to be able to go back and say, you said to do this, so I'm not moving. I'm going to keep on this thing that you told me to do, even if it looks so unlikely. Even if it looks like I'm going to drown right now, I'm going to stay in this thing. And that, I will tell you, is opposite what this world calls wisdom. Now listen to me, because if you don't get if you don't get this, you will get talked out of things by well-meaning people in the name of wisdom. And there is wisdom in this book that does have to be parsed through and does have to be discerned through. But the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man are usually in conflict with. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you've got to serve. He says, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. Like, the kingdom of God is generally opposites of what we see in the world and is the wisdom of the world. So wisdom of man would say, get back in the boat, dude. You're going to drown. Wisdom of man would say, I told you you shouldn't have got out of the boat. Why would you get out of the boat in the middle of a storm? That's stupid, right? I mean, I have friends that I have literally, out of my own mouth, I know I have discouraged them and things that God told me to do. And later on, I had to be humble enough to tell them, I shouldn't have given you that wisdom because that was my own heart for you. I wasn't speaking out of a heart that was submitted to God to give you godly wisdom. I was just giving you my own wisdom. In fact, I'll give you an example of a friend of mine. Who literally moved across the country just like we did and stepped in a role that now I have stepped into in, in a four-square denomination. Well, this was way before I heard that I would be doing this. He was praying about whether he was supposed to do this or whatnot. And I told him, I don't think you're supposed to do that. Why would you do that? And then I, I, I gave him these, and, and I didn't tell my sense. I was just speaking for the Lord. I was just telling as a friend, here's what I see. Well, thank God they didn't listen to me because he went across the country. He had great favor, and now instead of just doing a few states, he's over the whole country with next year serving our whole denomination with young people. But I remember at the time, I gave him all this wisdom, friend advice. Thank God he didn't listen to it. Hello? I'm, I'm being vulnerable with you because I feel like sometimes we always think about other people do that. It's like, oh, no, you've done that too. Gave your advice, and then later on, you, you knew that I had a right heart. I, was, I had a good heart about it, but it was still wrong. I love, I'm right. It was still wrong. I, should, I, that, I was wrong. God was saying something different than what man's wisdom was saying, and I am so glad they stuck to what God said. And I want to encourage you, sometimes you need to stick to what God said, even if people are saying that's not wise. Because they mean well, but they didn't hear God, you heard God. Yes. yes. And they're telling you from the boat back there how to walk in faith when they're using no faith. Yeah. That's too real for this morning. It's okay. <laughs> I can't do that. But here's what James says about doubt. James 1. And this is in the context of asking for wisdom, actually. But here's what it says in verse 6. But let him ask in faith, listen, with no doubting. Everybody say no. No doubt, zero, zilch. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, it gives that same definition. Double-minded means you have two opinions about a thing. When you have two opinions about a thing, don't assume you're going to receive anything from the Lord. So what do you need to do? You need to come back to Jesus. Maybe, maybe in fact, right now you might be thinking of a certain situation in your life where you got two opinions about it. Well, there's no condemnation about that, but you need to go back to Jesus and get one opinion about it again. Yes. Get single-minded about it again. Go back to Him and go back to what He said to you and get that faith in your heart back so that you can now expect to receive from Him. I'll give you an example. It would be like if I came to prayer, okay, and I said, Lord... I'm just praying over my health right now, and maybe, you know, i got this health situation. And Lord, I pray that you would heal my body. I just pray that you would heal my body. But you know what, Lord? If you have a plan for my life where I'm supposed to have this sickness and I'm supposed to be used for the Lord, then Lord, you know that's okay with me too. That's two opinions. And it sounds super spiritual, and it sounds really sweet. But you don't have an opinion yet about what God says about your body and your condition. Because the Bible says that by his stripes you are healed. The Bible says that healing is the children's bread, and it is for you and me. So if you have a single mind about a thing, you come before him and you say, Lord, I thank you for healing. I received that children's bread of healing that you talked about in your, in your word. And I contend for healing to show up in my body so that this disease has no more place. And you stick with that until you are fully healed. You say, well, what if the doctor says I'm not going to be healed? Well, then you have a decision to make. Do you believe what God said about your body or do you believe the doctor? This is, by the way, this scripture is confrontational, so I know it sounds like I'm being confronted. <laughs> but scripture does that. Why? Because no doubting is confrontational. Yeah. Like James, the way he's teaching here, it's like, no, 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 no doubting. Have two opinions, and it's a pleasure to receive anything from Jesus. Anything. So he's being like super confrontational, black and white. He's like, it's right there in scripture. And so this is what we do. We come back and we say, Lord, I don't want two opinions about this. I want your opinion about me. I want your opinion about my situation. And once he gives you his word on your situation, you hold on to that word until it happens. Yes. Whether it's your marriage. Whether it's your body, whether it's your future, whether it's a call of God on your life, whether it's something that's been a dream of yours that he gave you since you were a child, you hang on to that thing until it happens. And sometimes, listen, it will take years. Not everything is Amazon where it's going to show up tomorrow. Some things take years. Everybody say years. Years. Sometimes you've got to hold on to this word. You've got to hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it. And I will tell you, the big things usually take years. Little stuff can show up tomorrow. I noticed in the middle of the pandemic, if you wanted to order a couch in your house, it was going to take you like six months to get a customized couch. I know because we lived and we were looking at stuff. We didn't go that route, but that was it was going to take you six months. But you know, I could still go down to the store and buy a coffee maker and have it right there. Well, why? Because some things. They can happen really quick, but big things usually take time. And that's where you've got to hang on and hang on and hang on in faith. James says, don't suppose you'll receive anything if you're in doubt or if you're double-minded. And it says that you're unstable in all your ways. It's that picture of Peter on the water. And he's, he's not just unstable because there's wind and waves. He's unstable because he's and again, I don't crochet at him. I'm proud of him for getting out of the boat. I mean, he's gone a lot further walking on water than I ever have, okay? <laughs> so I don't throw shade at Peter for that. But I do learn from what Jesus asked him afterwards, which is, why didn't you doubt? Yes. Why did you doubt? How is it that you have no faith? This is what Jesus is challenging us again through Scripture, through his word. There's a challenge for us to examine our life. Where in life am I not in faith? And usually, I'm, again, I'm not talking about small stuff. Though God, will, God is very much interested in the details. This is my sense, though, that there are multiple ones of us. But there are big things that we have gotten double-minded about 
And God is so gracious and he's so kind and he's so teaching. He's a teacher. He's asking us this question. How is it that you have no faith? Why did you doubt? And it's not, it's not a question of condemnation. Sometimes if you have a mentality that correction is negative, then you'll hear it that way through that lens of bad boy, bad girl. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God teaches, and he's asking these questions for self-examination. Why? So that you can come back to a stronger place of faith, so that the next time you get in a situation, you don't doubt. You hear the difference? Because if you're not careful, you're your God asks you that question, and you're going to hear him say, bad girl, bad boy. Almost like, you know, he's swatting on the hands. Like, don't do that. That's not the heart of God. He's teaching us. He's sharing with us, and he's saying, hey, don't doubt. Don't doubt me. When I speak to you, I, I, I will come through for you every single time. Kind of like the disciples in the boat. We were going to the other side. I told you that. So watch it out. So I don't know that situation or the area of life that this might be resonating with you, but I know there is stuff in my life that's like, you know what? I I I can't afford to be double-minded. Because I'm already out in the water. So I, I can't afford to, I, I gotta be single-minded. I gotta be straight on with what God's spoken to me and said to me. And this is true for me on multiple fronts. So I gotta hang on to those words and hang on to what God said to me. Why? Because there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of souls on the line. And, and this is probably true for you too. If I sink, a lot of souls are on the line. I'm not dabbling in just, oh, the money part of things or the or just the, the things that affect or are beneficial to me. We're talking about people that we serve and that we get to, to call in that our, if we fulfill it, will impact them. I mean, there's a lot on the line. But I love what Hebrews chapter 12 says, and I'm going to end with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay every weight aside and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Listen to that. The finisher. The finisher of what? Our what is it? Our faith, for who the for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews twelve comes immediately following an entire chapter that tells you about the lineage of your faith. People who slaughtered lions, who took kingdoms, who quenched the mouths of lions. I mean, this is what Hebrews eleven talks about. And it goes through person after person after person after person after person. And it says it can't even write all the people that it's talking about. And then it comes to this verse in Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, therefore, because you've read all that, because of all those people, what they've done. Therefore, let you and I lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every sin, which so easily snares us. Let us run our race. And then it says, looking unto Jesus who is the author, and he is, listen, the finisher of our faith. He will finish it. Look, this is so good. I'm going to preach myself happy. He is the finisher of your faith. Yes. Yeah. He will finish it. He will finish it. Listen, you may feel like, I don't know if I can make it. No, no. He will finish it. You run your race. You lay aside what you've got to, to, to keep running. But as long as you keep running, he will finish it. Amen. That's good right there. If you keep running your race, he will finish it. There are some weeks where I feel like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do this. And yet, the scripture is like, no, no, no. You just keep running and Jesus will finish it. You just keep running your race and Jesus will finish it. You just keep doing that business. You just keep doing that ministry. You just keep doing the last thing that Jesus told you to do. He will finish it. He will finish it. I just feel like somebody needs to hear that. Maybe somebody online, I don't know, somebody in here. Where there, there is something that you've been questioning of, I don't know if I can do this. And Jesus is like, you keep running this race and I will finish it. I will, don't you finish until he finishes. Don't finish until Jesus finishes. 
Glory to God. That's going to say this. This message right here is going to save somebody from quitting. That right there is going to save somebody from quitting. These messages, by the way, are podcasted. Somebody, you're going to need to roll over that word right there a few times until it sinks so deep in you, until it washes all that doubt away and all of that double-mindedness away, until you get fixed again on what Jesus has told you to do. This is how you stay stable in unstable conditions. You have to latch onto it. You have to hang onto it. I know that for me, um, and I've told many ministers this uh, before, but for me, I can't listen to the same level of word that I did 15 years ago. What I mean is the same amount. I have to intake the preached, anointed preached word of God at a whole other level now than I did 10 or 15 years ago. In other words, where I maybe would have listened to one or two messages a week, now I'll listen to four or five a week or more. Sometimes I'll listen to the same message four, five, six times in one week. Why? Because I can't get double-minded between Sunday and Sunday. Yeah. And I don't have people, especially where we've moved, I don't have everybody who's calling me up and being like, hey, stay, you know, I don't have a, the coach. Hey, stay in the game. You're doing a great job. No, I'm like you. i got to slug this thing out day in, day in, day in, day out, you know. So what do I, I have to have that preached word of God get in my spirit so I can hang on to faith and I have to believe Jesus is going to finish this work when he started. He is going to finish it. He is going to finish it. And here's my prayer as we close today. I pray that where you have been double-minded, that you'll get the mind of God again. You'll get the mind of Christ again. Not because Jesus said, or the, the Lord's mad at you for being. He is not mad. He is right there to pick you up. If you feel like you're drowning, he is right there to say, come on. I'll pick you up. And as he picks you up, he's going to teach you. He's so gracious. He'll pick you up and teach you along the way, all the way back to the boat. He's good like that. But yet he is teaching us and saying, hey, 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 where you're going, I don't want you to be going. Like where you're going, there's a whole other level of faith that I'm calling you to. That you, you need to have my mind about this. You can't get thrown off. So let's let's pray this morning. Back right where you're at. I want you to close your eyes and this is more of like a personal response because I can't foresee into every person's situation. You know, where is it that you have allowed unstable conditions to make you unstable? Where have you gotten a bit double-minded? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your own value.
where you were shaky, you hear him calling you back. You can just throw it in your phone or write it on a piece of paper. Declare it in the name of Jesus. If you agree with you, say amen. 